0: your cultural competence listen to interesting stories learn about the cultural pitfalls and how to avoid them get the global perspective here at culture matters podcast on international business we help you understand cultural diversity better by interviewing real people with real experiences helping you develop your cultural competence
1: It's time for the Culture Matters podcast. We are on episode number 35, and this week we have our first timer, which is a professor. Professor Alexandre Motry, or Alexandre Motry. Professor Dr. Alexandre Motry is head of the urological department of the OLV Hospital Aalst in Belgium. He is also president of the European Robotic Urology Section and the Worldwide Society of Robotic Surgeons. Finally, he is CEO of the OLV Fatiputi Robotic Surgery Institute, which is abbreviated the ORSI. So there is a lot of abbreviations here, a lot of technicalities. But um, uh, Alex, as uh, as I uh, I can call him, is going to explain all these these terms and what they mean, etc. And how this actually uh, plays a role, or how culture actually plays a role in his daily work, being a very specialized. Um, surgeon in Belgium and uh, renowned worldwide as well. There's um, a couple of things that I need to tell you before I, uh, we actually go to the interview. One thing is, is that he mentions um, a word called Wustainfish and if you're wondering what that is, it's actually a, a TV production pro uh, company that produces a TV show in which he features with um, a number of his very specialized colleagues and I also need to tell you that in the beginning of the interview say about the, maybe the first five minutes or so the Skype connection is not ideal. There are, are a couple of hiccups there, um, but it gets better and it's, uh, it, we end in a perfect connection towards the end of the interview. So bear with me in the beginning of the interview because it's, it's really worth listening to. Let's go right to the interview.
0: It's time for this week's guest at the Culture Matters podcast. Here's your host, Chris Smith.
1: Good afternoon, Alex or Alexander Motry. How are you doing?
2: Um, Hello Chris, Uh, I'm fine, Um, it is uh, fortunately good weather outside and um, I always feel a little bit better then.
1: (laughs) if the weather is nice then the weather then uh, uh, people have a smile on their face as well we are we're doing this interview in the same uh, country we're both residing in uh, in Belgium we're not that far apart although the Skype um, connection seems to be somewhat uh, getting some hiccups here and there um, so let's see where we go I have the, my first question for you and that's also to sort of uh, introduce yourself to some extent to the audience is tell us a little bit about yourself um, where do you come from uh, where are you now we know it's belgium but where are you now more or less and what is your cultural frame of reference or with what kind of cultures do you have experience okay
2: so uh, my name is alex motry and uh, i am actually born in Yper, or in english wipers uh-huh. which is uh, quite renowned for uh, the first world war and uh, the, the tap to at eight o'clock under the Manning gate and so. yeah this is a, a very nice medieval town. Um, we also have there the best uh, beer in the world called yeah. the Westfleter north Sixtus, which is close by wipers. Yeah. I grew up and I did there my uh, my uh, my school and so and uh, when I was eighteen, I started medical school in uh, the University of Leuven. And then afterwards, I started uh, as a resident in neurology and uh, I did my exam and also my fellowship My uh, fellowship in, um, in Germany, actually, in Mainz, yeah. uh, where I also did, uh, where I was a member of the staff for a few years in, um, in Mainz. And uh, the, before I came back to Belgium, I went for six months to uh, Washington University in St. Louis where I uh, was with Professor Clayman, who was uh, at that time the number one in urology and laparoscopy in urology. And uh, then I came back from the States and I started to do this minimal invasive surgery, being at that time laparoscopy in 96, here in the onze Lieve vrouw Hospital in Aalst, which is a, actually a non-academic uh, center. Okay. Um, And I also feel fortunate thanks to Dr. Van Ermen who was here, um, who is a very famous cardiac surgeon. He um, pushed me to start together with him with uh, robotic surgery, so I was actually one of the first in the world. To do robotic surgery and in, that made that uh, I was a little bit a pioneer in this surgery. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people came to see and learn robotic surgery and that's how it grew and uh, so we organized we did that uh, on a very let's say basic way and that's what uh, pushed us to make a real uh, robotic training center
1: all right wonderful that that is quite um already a career that spans a lot of years and a lot of experience in the in the introduction um we've heard that was uh, that was right before the interview there are a couple of abbreviations and not maybe maybe not everybody is on that same medical page the yes. um you've um, you're currently working in the olv hospital in Aalst in belgium and olv is an abbreviation of and you mentioned it already onze lieve vrouwen hospital which is is there a translation for that in English? Uh, Saint Mary, I would say. Saint Mary's Hospital in Aalst, and Aalst is a small village um, on the west side of uh, of Brussels, where they uh, is pretty much the only place. Well, at least the famous place in Belgium where they do the carnival, right?
2: That is correct. Uh, Carnival is very famous here. Yes.
1: And then you are um, the, the president of the European Robotic Urology Section. What exactly, what is it that that you do then, before we start diving into your cultural experience?
2: Yes. So, but uh, everything grew progressively, and um, as I was training people, I, you also give courses, you give life surgery, etc. And that's how we started a uh, actually a uh, congress mm-hmm. um, that we wanted to um, to do each year in another in another uh, city in another city in Europe. Yeah. And um, that's how we, we founded uh, the European Robotic Urology Society because we found that when you do something new in medicine, you should do it very scientifically. Okay. So we want to do it with we did it with courses or with uh, with the congresses, with uh, with scientific data gathering, etc., etc. Okay, and um, so that's how it grew
1: actually. All right. Um, it's, it's, um, f- for me, you're, a, you're a very, very famous person. I know you. You don't know me. Well, we get to know each other right now because you are, um, you're, you're world famous in Belgium and I guess in the, in the Netherlands as well, because my, my mom actually watches your, your program as well. Okay. So basically we could, we could make that you're, um, a Belgian hero together with your doctor colleagues in a TV program, which is aired on national Belgium TV. It's called Top Doctors, Top Doctors. How was that for you? to do this it's quite unique
2: yes so uh, at first I was a little bit surprised uh, but basically I um, um, they could convince me to do it and I must say that I'm quite happy and of course a little bit pr- well done um, series series which is done by Wustenwes. And I must say that the the people from Wustenwes were very correct uh, towards the patients, etc. And this series uh, really helped the patient to know a little bit better uh, what the doctor is doing, uh, how much he has to work, but also it lowers, let's say the, 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 how do you call that? The, the, the
1: the threshold between patient and doctor, maybe
2: to go to the doctor, etc., etc. And, um, and I think that's quite important.
1: Okay. Um, it's a, it's a very well worth, uh, program. I think, is there any, um, uh, how do you say remarks or questions, uh, to air this outside of Belgium as well? um can you repeat this question well this is this could potentially be such an interesting program where you by whereby we as an audience are looking at you where you perform uh surgery we don't get to see the whole surgery but it's more the interaction between the patient you your the patient and you yourself as the professor the doctor the surgeon yeah. is and, and it's it's really so well done is there any um requests from other countries in belgium to air this as well
2: not yet, but I think it would be a great idea, and I am convinced that uh, that uh, they are thinking about it because um, um, I believe it it is uh, worthwhile to play such a series worldwide again to show the patients that uh, actually the to 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 get to a doctor that is all a doctor himself is only a human being. Yeah. And uh, the thinking and the way they work is quite interesting to see.
1: Yes. Well, yeah. That's. I really uh, like the program. We actually record everything of it.
2: Um, well, I learn from the others how they do it. So it, for me as well, it was quite interesting.
1: Okay. Excellent. You're you're also a guest professor or lecturer um, at the un- at several universities in the world. Um, you mentioned Germany, the United States, and of course in Belgium as well. And m- moving slowly into these these cultural differences, where do you see culture playing a role there?
2: Well, absolutely interesting is it to get the possibility as I have to get connected to all these different cultures, Mm -hmm. uh, populations, uh, people, we have Indian, uh, I go a lot to India, I go a lot to the United States, I go a lot here throughout Europe, and uh, the cultural differences are huge. But having said this, the world is becoming smaller and smaller. That means that Belgians, Americans, Indians, etc., they get to meet each other much more often than, let's say, 20 years ago. And uh, that makes also that the cultural differences to my knowledge get accepted more easily. So I will uh, just to tell you I went to, uh, to a hospital and I wanted to take uh, a little shower. After the surgery, and actually there was somebody inside praying to uh, to uh, uh, for his um, to, to to his God. So um, that was uh, these are things that happen when you go elsewhere.
1: Yeah, that's that's very true. You say on the, it's an interesting contradiction you mentioned because you say the cultural differences, say between the United States and Belgium and India, like you mentioned, are are huge, and yet they're getting smaller. What would be in your view, and with your, uh, your profession in mind as well, um, the bi- would be the biggest cultural differences that you would find, say, between the United States and Belgium and Belgium and India?
2: Yes. Um, I believe the, the major difference is the access to medicine. Okay. When I see around me, I believe that here in Europe, we have the best Medicare in the world. Mm-hmm. We have a very social system. I agree it costs money. Yeah. But basically, at least in Belgium, every single Belgian has access to the, uh, the top Medicare. While in the United States, this is not the case. Yeah. If you can't pay for it, you don't get it. Same is true in India. In India, you have a, a, quite a bit of robotic systems to do robotic surgery on, but only in the private hospitals.
1: And you need to pay for that then? Of course. Yeah. Um, in your in the lectures that you do in these different countries, how do students react to you differently there?
2: Well, let's say that in the new countries, when I mention India, uh, Sri Lanka, uh, China, and so the students are much more, let's say, interactively minded, and uh, they, it's, newer for them than it is in the united states or in belgium where perhaps we are more used to uh, high technology stuff
1: okay so but i mean if if in the room uh, like in the in the in the lecture room where you're uh, where you're teaching or educating or lecturing how yes. do how do americans react differently from the indians um,
2: well, the, the Indians are extremely polite and uh, to you because you are the so-called big professor. While, uh, while in the States uh, this is not true, They I won't say they attack you, but they question you um, very thoroughly and they question um, really into depth whether this is true and this is true. While in India mm-hmm. they take what you say directly for granted.
1: And, and, and they, they take that for granted and they take that for being true as well. Absolutely. And the, the, your American audience, your American students, is there an inten- intention behind there to, uh, how would you say, test your credibility or to see how good you are? Or are, is it, is it really inquisitive questioning?
2: It is really inquisitive uh, questioning because um, uh, these people that come over in the States, these are the ones that are, uh, that are extremely interested in, uh, in this new stuff that, that, that we are uh, giving, uh, that we are lecturing. So um, I really think that this is not uh, bad minded, but yeah. on the contrary, this is really because they are interested into it. And they really want to know every single detail.
1: Okay, um, is, and, and how do they differ then from um, from your European or Belgian audience in in the old days when you were lecturing?
2: Yes, uh, well, a little bit the same. That the, the uh, Americans are, uh, let's say, much more expressive than Europeans are, actually. Mm.
1: Do you think that's a good idea or what do you, What would you prefer actually? Which What kind of audience would you prefer? Um,
2: yes, I believe that I like it very much when you give a course and then when it, you have very interactive discussions. Yeah, yeah, it, I it, believe it, that then you learn the most and you can more go into depth on one topic. Yeah, And that is what I like uh, very much.
1: Okay, so possibly you would say uh, you would have a preference maybe for the American way of actually interacting than maybe the more passive Indian side. Absolutely. Yeah. And neither side is bad. It is just different. And that's what it is, cultural differences. Yes. Um, the, the thing that triggered me um, in, uh, in terms of getting in touch with you was a scene on TV that I saw whereby you were educating a group of, um, I'm saying foreigners, but I would then say non-Belgians mm-hmm. in, um, to operate surgical robot- robotic machines. That's that's something you invite these people over to Belgium. Is that what you do then?
2: Well, we don't invite them. We actually have founded here in Flanders a um, a uh, a a, a robotic training center, which is actually the the largest of its kind outside the United States. Mm -hmm. And so we have, uh, let's say, over ninety percent of the people that we train each year are from outside Belgium.
1: Okay, ninety percent, you say. Yes, wow. so
2: we train over 250 surgeons a year, and which is quite uh, quite impressive number, I would say. And so we have people coming from Peru, India, uh, South Africa, uh, Australia, and also throughout Europe.
1: Okay, and and there, I mean, that is a very multicultural group. What do you Absolutely. see there in terms of cultural differences?
2: Well, um, it is. Um, the cultural differences, um, oh, I would say that uh, you see it especially when uh, people eat and drink. Um, <laughs> that uh, the ones that are vegetarians are usually Indians or yeah. so. Those that uh, don't drink alcohol are also or Middle East or uh, India. Yeah. And uh, this is, I think, uh, the biggest difference for me. The, all the people that come are extremely interested. And they want to learn they invest in time and money to come over yeah. and so the, the they really want all of them uh, to learn from early morning to, to late in the evening and we had to we have to push them out in the evening as uh, that interested uh, are they to be able to learn in the lab how robotic surgery goes
1: mm-hmm. Okay. Is there and this is something and I say this with all respect it's but I think it's an experience that many people um when I was I have to say many westerns have um, have experienced including myself you go to a country like India for instance and it's just an example and you ask an Indian a question they look at you and they nod in their typical Indian way and you look at them and you know you, you just feel in your gut feeling that they haven't understood What you, what you, what you asked, what you said, or something. Does that happen to you? And how do you deal with that?
2: Yes. So we sometimes have some language problems, Uh Uh, especially when you hear an Indian uh, speak English. For us, it's quite difficult to understand sometimes. Mm -hmm. eh? Uh, On the other hand, I am convinced that some people that come over sometimes, uh, especially Russian people, um, uh, often don't speak English too good. And, uh, and that's why we use uh, translators for that. Okay. So, so basically we don't have a language problem because we, in all circumstances we find people that can help us to, uh, to uh, translate if necessary.
1: Okay. And because, I mean, you're, the work that you do, the eventual work that these people are going to do when they're educated, that's, you can make mistakes there.
2: Uh, whatever you do in life, you can do mistakes. So also in medicine. Also, it,
1: also with your specific, ro- uh, uh, what is prop- it, low invasive operations?
2: Yes, there is uh, the only surgeon who has no complications is the one that does not operate. <laughs> that, is, uh, that is really part of the job that uh, uh, we have. Uh, medicine is not mathematics.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, uh, we have to deal with the laws of nature. We try to change the law of nature when we treat a cancer or whatever. But uh, fate is sometimes something that you cannot change. Uh, uh, wounds that heal slower, more slowly when you get an infection, etc. Fortunately, having doing this minimal invasive surgery, one of the big advantages is that you have much less complications than you had before with the old fashioned open surgery where you have to make a big cut.
1: Yeah, basically, and so for the, for these the people that might be wondering what's minimal invasive surgery, um, maybe you can explain that in a couple of words as opposed to the old fashioned way of uh, of operating.
2: Well, minimal invasive surgery is basically that you work uh, that's keyhole surgery, so you work through uh, little cannulas that you place in uh, through the. Uh, to the wall of the abdomen to to get into the the, uh, abdominal cavity Uh where you can work and treat uh, bowel problems, bladder problems, prostate, kidney, etc. So that's really keyhole surgery, actually.
1: Okay. And that was, that was originally, uh, I think I read on one of your sites or publications that came from the United States. And you're, you're one of the very first, if not the first you're European who actually took that on, on this side of the Atlantic, correct?
2: Uh, so laparoscopy is basically keyhole surgery. Yeah. But the disadvantage is that you have to look on a screen, which is per definition two dimensional. Yes. Um, Second disadvantage is that uh, we used to need or to have we used to use um, long, stiff instruments Mm -hmm. that, through the articulation effect at the level of the abdominal wall, you do inside the abdomen exactly the opposite as the surgeon is doing outside. We call that the counterintuitive movements. Mm-hmm. And this is quite difficult to learn to mm-hmm. work with these stiff instruments. So that is not very easy to do. Uh, robotic surgery is nothing more or less than a, than a special platform to do this keyhole surgery, but without the disadvantages of this classical keyhole. Right. Surgery. So these instruments have articulations. You work from a distance. Where you do remote, you, you you move handles into the air and the computer stakes this over mm-hmm. towards the instruments inside the abdomen and doing just the same as what you do at the console, but five times smaller, five times more precise.
1: Wow. it's I can almost feel that you really like and really love the work that you do. That's true. Yeah, it sounds like it very much. But we're not here. This is not a medical podcast. This is a, a podcast where we talk about or we like to focus on, um, on cultural differences and, and uh, from as many angles as, um, as possible. Um, and, and I have another question that, that actually springs to mind, which is uh, related to, uh, one of the, uh, TV shows that I saw you. in. then after the, if you want the hard work of educating, um, in the robotics uh, and, and how people need to operate that, then there's time, there's free time. There's people can relax, etc. cetera. When, when you work with people from different cultures, are they different inside the operation room and then outside?
2: That is correct. So I am proud to be a Belgian.
0: Yeah.
2: And uh, you know, Chris, I'm convinced that you work a lot and I work a lot. Yes. But afterwards, we need some free time and to enjoy. Yeah. And I want to combine this when the the people from abroad are coming to show also a little bit our Belgian culture. The typical Belgian bar where you can have uh, a little snack and a special beer and uh, where we can go and uh, visit Brussels, Ghent, and so on. Mm-hmm. I think that is very important that after a long day's work, the people can enjoy there. Mm-hmm. But having said this, of course, there are cultures that are less interested to participate to these cultural events. Like? And, um, like, well, Indian people, for example, are not always that interested to come and join. Um, is it because they are Indians? I don't know, but um, but let's say there are some that are more interested than others to join this um, this special events that we organize.
1: Who, who are the who are the um, just a personal question? Who are the best party goers? If you want,
2: ah, the best party goers. Well,
1: Besides yourself, of course.
2: Well, I don't say I am a party goer, but I think that Belgians and Dutch people do not. <laughs> Perform badly in this, you know, (laughs) also Australians know to work a lot, but to enjoy double in the evening. So um, I think these are the ones that um, like to the game very much.
1: Play hard and work hard. That is correct. Okay, wonderful. Um, th- th- that's something else that um, that came to mind as well. Nowadays, many many Westerns, at least that's my impression, they go to countries like like Turkey or India to have their operations done. Are 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 these people when they go there? Would they be in for a culture shock?
2: Um, well, I don't know if that is true, that a lot of people go to the Turkey and so, to. to, to is that so?
1: Well, yeah. I've heard about uh, people going there for um, laser treatment for their eyes, for instance, and th- that is okay. on a one-third <laughs> of the price and people it get... It should
2: be a lot cheaper, etc., yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this is possible. And uh, of course, there is a, a difference usually... Um, the hospitals are less clean and uh, so than it is in uh, in Belgium. Yeah, and I am convinced that also the uh, there can be often a language problem. Turkish people do not often speak other languages. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, yes, this could be a problem.
1: Okay, all right. Is there any other co- country in the world besides Belgium that you would um, do your work? Your work?
2: Yes, um, I. Uh, I like very much Italy, okay. and I like the Italians, uh-huh. and um, and the Italian way. I always say to the Italians, "Belgium it's a little bit like little Italy, hmm. and um, so um, they like the food, they like to work a lot, and I must say that, uh, yes, um, I would, uh, if I would change, but I probably won't, because I'm very happy where I am, yeah. but if I had to choose, I would perhaps prefer Italy, Let's be honest, also the weather is a little bit better. True. And the wines they have there are better than the, the, some, the little ones we have here in Belgium.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's very, very true, very true. Um, and, and that's that's all, for a lot, I think that's, um, uh, how you say, colored or biased by a personal preference of, of this beautiful country. And how about in terms of a um, professional challenge? If, if this technology came from the United States, would you consider working there and, and putting that on a, on a next level?
2: Yes, so I will collaborate a lot with the American colleagues. I have a lot of friends there. I had already the opportunity to go there. Mm-hmm. But to be honest, um, I I have uh, a dream here in Belgium.
0: Yeah.
2: That is that uh, to make this very broad Flemish-European platform of minimal invasive surgery which is uh, our uh, orsi our ulv um, robotic uh, surgery institute yeah. and uh, where we want also to start to do uh, uh, research and development etc and uh, i have also a department to run here and uh, i don't want to leave uh, things behind mm-hmm. that uh, where i build on uh, for 20 years let's
1: say i can imagine i can imagine oh, you want to finish something that you started Absolutely. Yes, um, it's. Um, I'm looking at the time that we've been talking already, and we're closing into um, already 30, closing into 30 minutes more or less. And looking at the uh, the actual clock of recording, it's uh, we're recording this on a Friday, and it's already almost a quarter to seven in the afternoon. And we have a long weekend ahead, so I can imagine that maybe you're looking forward to um, uh, to a weekend. Do you are any surgeries planned for this weekend for you?
2: Uh, no surgeries planned for this weekend. Okay. So you're yep. going to
1: enjoy and, and maybe do the, do the play hard thing rather than the, the work yeah. hard thing. I have one more question or maybe two more questions for you. Yes. Please. Um, in, in your long years of international experience as well, can you give the audience, it's usually the most difficult question. Can you give the, uh, the audience three tips to become more culturally competent, judging or coming from your own experience?
2: Ooh, um well, I think uh, very important is uh, to try to be social. I mean, um, that means that you should be open to everybody and to all the different cultures and ways of life. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, when you go somewhere, let's say to India, to the Middle East, you should accept that people have other habits than we have. Okay. Uh, sometimes it's a little bit more difficult as to the food. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, this is something you usually survive. And uh, um, let's say I think that is, for me, the most important.
1: And would you have a second and a third one? Uh,
2: to be social, that is important. Yeah. Um, I am thinking, and these are very, very direct questions, um, not really, I guess. Okay. We have, of course, as a Belgian, the, the advantage that we speak several languages, yes. which makes it also a little bit easier, of course, Uh, but that's about it chris
1: okay thank you so much for that last question is and that is if you want of course if people would like to get in touch with you or know more more know about you where can they find you or where can they find out more about you
2: um can you
1: repeat please the question is if people would like to find more about who you are and what you do or if they would like to get in touch with you how could they best do that
2: Well, uh, the best is to, uh, I believe, email me, Uh and uh, you can do that on um, a.motri at tlinet.be. Okay. And I also have a personal website, which is uh, www.alexmotri.com.
1: Okay. All right. Excellent. These two things will be in the in the show notes as well, so they can people can find them. Um, going to culturematters.com and then do a search for podcasts and then find uh, Alexander, Alexandre or Alex Motry. Um, all right. It's been a real, real pleasure. I feel really honored that you took the time out of your very busy schedule because we actually had planned this to do this earlier in the day, but then you mailed me, emailed me. You said, no, I have an operation. And of course, that goes first. Okay, thank you very much, Chris. Thanks so much. Enjoy the weekend and the weather that's coming up because it's going to be nice for a couple of days. Okay, thank you very much, Chris. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Thank you, Professor, for doing the interview again. Uh, I really uh, enjoyed and... Content-wise and how you actually, the, the, the super excitement is, is it radiates from uh, from you talking about what you do, the work that you do. Wonderful. Looking forward to uh, seeing you again when it comes to a TV program being aired on, on Belgian TV. All right, that's it for the Culture Matters podcast. We'll be back in two weeks' time with another podcast another guest of course and a couple of things uh, towards the end is one if you like what we do here then I would really appreciate if you could uh, go to iTunes and give this podcast a rating give it an honest rating and the other thing that I'd like to point you towards is the uh, Amazon um, Kindle shop where I've got two books published Um, in the meantime one on general culture and one is on uncertainty avoidance in specific so check that out um and uh, see if you you like any of these books thanks again for taking the time and listening i'll be back like i said in two weeks time with another interview take care bye-bye
0: that's it for this episode the culture matters podcast helping you understand cultural diversity better by interviewing real people with real experiences